Chapter 9 of The Friendly Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Danica, Toronto. The Friendly Five by Mary C. Hungerford. Chapter 9 Some Leaves from a Diary generally keeping a diary is very much a matter of sentiment but with katie ashley it was done only in fulfilment of a promise and not at all from any desire to record either feelings or events mrs ashley had several daughters all well educated but all singularly averse to writing letters they were dutiful enough in other ways but it was very uncomfortable for their mother when she was separated from them to have no communication except through an occasional telegraphic dispatch it was too late to make a reform with grown-up children but mrs ashley determined that katie her youngest child would become so familiar with her pen that she would be free from the family failing so she exacted the promise when she sent her to boarding-school that made daily entries in her elegantly bound diary the condition of receiving a larger allowance of pocket-money than had ever been given to her sisters the record was to be kept entirely private sacred katie called it and no one at home was ever to ask to see it or even to allude to it but in the vacations when katie used to go off on little trips with her mother she used to get very confidential at bedtime and her talks about school usually ended in her getting the book out of her trunk and the tiny silver key off her watch-chain and unlocking the miniature padlock which secured the covers and reading page after page aloud to her very appreciative hearer sometimes the details were very scant sometimes they were quite full and interesting it all depended on the writer's mood at the time of writing a few specimens will show the curious variations in this respect september eighteen arrived here at school september nineteen five new girls one is a beauty prettier than lily her name is edna tryon seems to feel pretty aristocratic turns her nose up at almost everything september twenty I forgot to put down that one of the new girls looks like a chambermaid, and a very poor class of one, too. She don't compare to our maids. Mrs. Abbott wants us to be good to her. There's a long story about it, very interesting. Men, tell Mama about it when I get home. September 21st. The girls are horrid to Mary Ann Stubbs. September 22nd. Little Elfie is an angel. We all love her to death. I took a walk with her and her black mammy today. September 23rd. There's a funny thing I never thought to put down before. When we got back to school, we found the high iron front gate taken down and heavy wooden doors with a big bolt put in its place. Mrs. Abbott hasn't told us why it was done, and Miss Blake only said that Mr. Bellamy had it done. It's horrid. We are entirely shut in. The board fence has spikes on it, so we couldn't climb up and look over if we wanted to. We used to be very fond of looking out of the iron gate. Edna says she thinks there is some mystery somewhere. She won't tell what that means, but she says an old man where they used to live put a high board wall around his place and then got married and made counterfeit money. That's silly, for Mrs. Abbott hasn't got any tools and machinery. Besides, 
She would never do anything wrong. September 23rd. Knew all my lessons. Lily missed in political economy. September 24th. I missed in algebra. Generally do. September 25. New French teacher came in. Made us all laugh at prayers. When it was her turn to read a verse, she read, And he healed the six instead of the sick. September 26. Mrs. Abbott went to New York today. She won't be back till tomorrow night. September 27. Today, Edna said to Lily and me, Let's slip out the back gate and go to the village. Miss Blake's so nearsighted she won't see us. Lily was angry and told Edna she insulted her by asking her to do such a thing when she knew Mrs. Abbott objected. After she had gone downstairs, Edna said, Lily's a born coward. She'd just love to go out that gate, but she's so afraid she daresn't. Now you've got more pluck, and I do like to see a girl who isn't afraid cat. After that, I was afraid to refuse, so I guess I was a coward myself. We went up to the store, and Edna bought raisins and nuts, and I bought a pineapple and some packages of lozengis. They don't keep much of anything nice at the store. September 28th. Last evening, Edna and I gave a party in her room after we went up to bed. We had nuts and raisins, and the pineapple was cut into slices, but it was sour. Edna ran into the dining room pantry and grabbed a cup full of salt. She thought it was sugar. Luckily, she found it out before she had sprinkled much on the pineapple. Edna said that the party was great fun, but I didn't have a very nice time. I kept thinking what if Miss Blake should come in and ask where we got the things. September 29th. Some of us were in the front yard at recess, and the gate bell rang, Bertha said. Come in the house, quick, before Johnny comes to answer the bell. I started to go with the others, but Edna held on to me till Johnny came up and opened the gate. We heard him say, Mrs. Abbott is away, and I don't think there's any ribbons or things wanted today. Good, it's a peddler, said Edna. Let him come in. I want some thread and some shoe buttons. We could see a man with a covered basket, and he seemed anxious to get in, for he pushed the gate open. I knew Mrs. Abbott wouldn't like it, as she never would have peddlers about, but you can't reason with Edna. She just made Johnny let him in. Edward never would have done it, but he has gone home because his mother's sick, and this boy has taken his place in a while. I'm almost afraid the peddler was a burglar, for he looked around so searchingly and up to every window and made an excuse to go a little farther in so he could look into the arbor. I took a good look at him, because I thought if he was a burglar, I might have to identify him before a lawyer or something. You never can tell what's going to happen. He had light curly hair, and a dark yellow skin, and a queer hooked nose. He unpacked some ribbons and laces, looking around all the time as if he was hunting for something. I made up my mind that he was somebody that knew the kitchen girls and was trying to get a glimpse of one of them. After a while, he held up a pale lavender sash ribbon with a black edge and said, This would be beautiful for a young lady in mourning. We were both in blue dresses, as he could see, and I laughed and said, I guess we won't go into mourning for the sake of wearing that. Then he asked in the most anxious way if there wasn't anyone in mourning in the school. Not one, said Edna, except little Elfie, and she's got more sashes than she can wear. The man looked at her very sharply. 
I never saw a common person show so much curiosity, and said, Perhaps if you could persuade the young lady in mourning to come and look at my things, she would find something she liked. I have beautiful black and silver bracelets. There was something horrid about the man. He seemed so familiar and so eager. I feel sure he is a burglar or something improper, and I think Edna thinks so too, though she won't own it. I was wishing with all my might that we could get rid of him, and then to my delight, the dinner bell rang, and Johnny came running back and sent him out and locked the gate. September 30. I kept expecting burglars all last night, but they didn't come. October 1st. I want to tell Mrs. Abbott about the peddler. He acted so queer, but Edna says I'm a fool to bring down a scolding and perhaps a punishment on myself and her too. October 2nd. I don't believe I will keep intimate with Edna. She seems to do so many wrong kind of things. I'm going to ask Miss Blake to let me sit on the other side of the study table so I won't be next to her any more. October 3rd. Maybe I judged Edna too harshly. She came into my room today, and after she'd looked around a minute, she exclaimed in the most earnest way, Oh, you dear, lovely Katie, if you could only know how I love you and how I admire you. Then she told me that from the very first she had thought I was the very nicest, smartest, and prettiest girl in the whole school. It seems silly to write down praises of myself, but it is perfectly sweet to have a girl think so much of you. I have made up my mind it would be unkind to change my seat and leave Edna, so I shan't speak to Miss Blake about it. October 4. Knew my history but missed in classic literature. I never do remember whether Juno was a man or a woman. End of chapter 9. Recording by Danica, Toronto.